Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News. Not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny, to the deep and hidden, to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley, an Atlanta-based filmmaker, comedian, and if you like a person's dog more than you like them, I believe that that's a perfectly justifiable reason to continue that relationship for <laughs> a bit longer. Uh, and I'm Mark, uh, I'm a comedian, I'm from Atlanta, and you know, I've been wondering, what if we all let the dogs out? I think it'd be beautiful. Yeah. I think it'd be amazing. Uh, uh, today, Mark, we're doing a deep dive episode with a special guest, Ricky Boynton. Yes. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, we'll be talking about using the power of acting and role playing to do things that you might not know that it could do, like help train lawyers, uh, police, help with abuse intervention, all kinds of cool stuff. And Ricky has a lot of experience in it. And uh, we're going to hear some stories and learn more about that from him. And... Uh, Ricky also spent time working at a bowling alley, so we'll touch on some of that stuff. He's got some cool stories there. We'll talk about that as well. Yeah, and so we want to we want to introduce Ricky. So for those of y'all don't that don't know, uh, Ricky Boynton. Uh, not only is he our very special guest today, uh, Ricky is a brilliant actor, uh, comedian, and content creator. Uh, you can follow him on his social media through his at Ricky Random handle. Uh, he's appeared in TV and commercials, including Adult Swim's Too Many Cooks, uh, as well as many of the sketches that Bill and I have uh, produced with him together. So good. So uh, Thank you. Yeah, of course, Ricky. Thank- welcome to the show. So before we go any further, uh, we want to do a segment that we like to do with our guests called uh, Shower with Flowers. Uh, and so this is where Bill and I shower you with compliments. 
Uh, I'll go first. Ricky, uh, you're one of my best friends. I've known you for, I mean, I don't know how long at this point, 14 years, maybe 2008. I think it's been 14 years. Um, you're someone that I've uh, always makes me smile, always makes me happy to see and has just always, I think made me a better person being around you. So. Thank you. I really appreciate that, man. Uh, Ricky, uh, something I really appreciate about you is your uh, calming presence. And so what I mean by that is it's not that you have to be calm all the time or anything like that. It's simply just like when you're in the room, I feel better. You know what I mean? So it's like uh, because I can uh, either hear what's going on with you or I can tell you about what's going on, like with my day. Uh, Having that, uh, someone that I know is such a good listener, it's like, chills me out even if the things going on around us are not chill oh thank you am i allowed to give you guys compliments too i mean uh, <laughs> hold on a bit <laughs> okay, okay 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry, I'm sorry. it's shower you with flowers yeah, yeah. Ricky. Okay. although i mean you know i don't know we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll do we'll do one more each mm-hmm. um uh you know there's just so many things with ricky but uh, ricky um it's like if you have always been so great too at just like checking on me if there's something going on. And you do that for, I think, a lot of people. But like, I think there's some people when they're going through ups and downs in life that you talk to a friend and they'll, they'll listen and that's great. Um, but Ricky, you always follow up with people. You always check in. You always see how they're doing. You always remember what's going on in people's lives. And for someone in an ensemble too, because we were in an improv group together, mm-hmm. I think that that does a lot. And that means that when you're sharing the stage, you're always such a good listener and you know what's going on and we can bring that stuff up on stage sometimes <laughs> too, which is always a lot of fun. So thank you for that. And I'll uh, kind of keep that trend going. Speaking of the stage, Ricky, uh, your performance ability is just next level. So if you all have not had a chance to see Ricky Boynton perform, if you ever have an opportunity in the future, really need to take advantage of that. Ricky, something that I really admire about you is, you know, when you're playing improv, so much of it is about, you know, sharing space, providing balance to what's going on in the stage and whatever's just needed in that moment. And you have this uncanny, uncanny ability to know what your fellow performers' needs uh, are, what the audience needs to see, and your ability to deliver on that in such a way that's always so crisp and professional. I was like, man, he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, uh, Bill. Yes. Ricky. Ricky. Uh, we want to move on to the next segment, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. great. So uh, this next segment uh, we like to call uh, Ridiculous News Nibbles. So this is where we take interesting headlines that we found from the news that we think are pretty ridiculous. A good way to like kind of warm ourselves up, look at some headlines. So we're going to do that uh, right now. Bill, you want to take the first one? Yeah. So uh, there, in the news recently, there was a 500-pound bear known as Hank the Tank. And he's been <laughs> breaking into uh, Lake Tahoe homes, uh, and he's apparently lost all fear of people, which, you know, for a 500-pound bear, is not great. Um, he's broken into dozens of homes, become quite a problem. Uh, he's well-known and now wanted by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. Um, he is responsible for more than 150 calls um, in a severely food-habituated bear. What this means is the bear... It's lost all fear of people, and it sees people in homes as a source of food. He is very fat. According to the, the photo, he is uh, morbidly obese and like kind of a cute bear way. I, I realize it's easy for me to say that because I don't have to see Hank up close <laughs> or in my living room. Um, 
But I just, I love the fact that he's Hank the Tank and they've named him that and that he lives up to that name. Hank the Tank is a phenomenal name. Uh, a bear that's out there not afraid of humans is also very scary. But like, I, I've, seen, I've seen a picture of Hank the Tank mm. and it's pretty grand in the best way possible. Yeah, he's very round. Yeah. <laughs> he's very round. You know, those, those, there's that Fat Bear Week. He looks like he would be a high contender for Fat Bear Week. Yeah. Like, number one. I don't know why, but, like, just Hank the Tank, it sounds like a name that a, a fraternity brother would call you or something like that. <laughs> like, you have stories like, have you heard about Hank the Tank? <laughs> and he just comes up and he's like, What's up, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, that late night crystals run with Hank the Tank, man. He got twenty four, and they were all for him. Right, right. Or like Hank the Tank on that crystals run, a car broke down. Hank pushed us the rest of the way. You know what I mean? Like it's just exactly. the stories of Hank the Tank. Hank the Tank. Hank the Tank. Hank the Tank. We don't clean the fridge anymore. We just get Hank the Tank. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm going to these people's houses. But like, what are you talking, Tank? You can't do that. I'm Hank the Tank. I do what I want. I'm not afraid of humans. You know? <laughs> I'm, not afraid of, I'm not afraid of humans. This is reverse Goldilocks and three bears. <laughs> uh, if y'all see Hank the Tank, please keep your distance, but take photos. Yeah. Uh, Don't get too close. There's another headline uh, I'll read. So this one's pretty wild. Uh, so this is from AP News. Uh, a raccoon falls through the ceiling uh, into a packed LSU dining hall. Woo. Yeah. So a raccoon fell through the ceiling into a packed dining hall at Louisiana State University as students screamed and a cook tried to catch it in a basket. Uh, so freshman Danielle Gibson told the uh, Reveal, Reveal, I don't know how to pronounce that. That's a weird spelling. Um, they told the student newspaper that everyone was standing up and looking around for a raccoon when she went into the 459 dining hall for dinner. Uh, one video posted with the article showed the raccoon running between tables <laughs> then climbing onto a chair and looking around. Another shows people chasing it with a broom and a stick, or perhaps two brooms. Was that perhaps two brooms? Not <laughs> very, sure. very interesting. Not sure. Was it one broom? Was it two? We don't know. There's only a video. Um, uh, screams are all that can be heard on either video. Uh, Gibson says she lost her appetite when friends told her the raccoon had been on top of her bag while she was gone. Then uh, she was quoted as saying, I'm just scared that my bag has a disease. Uh, right now, it's funny to look back at, but at the moment, I was traumatized. My appetite is definitely gone. Um, <laughs> one of her friends, freshman Hannah, uh, said students got the raccoon into an uh, area where it couldn't run out. Uh, uh, Hannah went on to say, uh, the raccoon was making its way toward me. Uh, it stopped and climbed onto my friend Danielle's bag. Animal control finally came and tried to catch it in a trash can. Uh, a cook even tried to use a basket to catch it. It was a mess. Eventually, she said it was caught. I mean, is it ironic to use a trash can to catch a raccoon? Because I feel like they're, you know, what are the trash pandas? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, uh, I just, the mental image of thinking when I was in college and you have a hundred kids sitting mm -hmm. and just the, I feel like for me, it would be excitement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like not because a raccoon, I mean, I guess, you know, they have claws, but if, mm -hmm. maybe if it sat, if it landed right next to you, there's some fear. Involved. Like in your mm -hmm. lap, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. Or on your head. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, what a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs> See so many cell phones just, just come out like, oh, right. Dude, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Part of me thinking like, just picturing like the, the raccoon having like on a, 
a University of Alabama jersey or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's like at UGA. At UGA. It's skipping around. Roll Tide, roll Tide, roll Tide. And that's why everybody started screaming. And it was yelling. Ah! Yeah. Get the broom. Get maybe two brooms. <laughs> I think I would just be so freaked out. Like I get like I definitely will like jump or like be like oh when I see a bug I didn't expect to see I'll chill mm-hmm. out afterwards. But mm-hmm. there's that moment yeah. of surprise. We're like oh my gosh. And so if something as like substantial as raccoon like smacked and fell on my table i don't know and then after that once i realized like i'm okay we're all okay then it'd be like well i'm telling everybody this story yeah it freaked me out because like uh those type of animals you can tell how smart they are Mm -hmm. i remember a while back when i was walking home um and i saw a possum Mm -hmm. and the possum noticed me and it jerked as if it was scared like oh snap then i went oh snap oh yeah and then it just looked at me and kind of sized me up like I was yeah. short like and they just kept going I was like you know what I'm not gonna even mess with you <laughs> yeah. you do your thing I will go my own way so I would think with um, raccoons man you know, like you say as long as it's like right in your lap or something like that just just be just be okay just just calm down and relax and nothing will happen I would think I don't know so you know it, it, what's that um, rocket the raccoon is that from uh, from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah. And I was in South Korea, and they have um, these cafes where you can pet exotic animals. Honestly, I don't recommend it. It's a little sad. We went oh, and then no. realized it was kind of like, oh, these these animals are drugged. Oh. It felt, felt that oh, way. Crap. But one of the animals in there was a raccoon, or there might have been two actually. And so you could go up and pet them. And it, I would say, me and the, the person I was with, we were, were kind of uncomfortable pretty quickly, but that kind of made it feel less scary. Maybe mm-hmm. being that exposed, of course, like I said, they might have been heavily drugged, but oh, um, right. But they are—I mean—they are really smart animals. You can see it in their in their eyes and stuff, and so and I can see why I'd be wearing an Alabama jersey <laughs> at the UGA Hall, uh, which is UGA's biggest rival. For folks that are unaware. Have you all ever? Um... Like in your time in school or anything like that or at work, experienced uh, a rodent or an animal getting loose in one of the classrooms? Because I was trying to think and I couldn't really think of anything like too bad. You know, I mean, maybe you'd see remnants of it later, but there was nothing like a raccoon falling into my legs, <laughs> soup or anything. Uh, automatic. Ricky, I don't know if you were at this show, but we did a show and it was one of the last, I feel like it was one of the last shows we did with Two Girls, Three Eyes, which was another improv group. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was a theater kind of a little bit north of downtown. And we did a set, and then Two Girls, Three Eyes did a set, and someone had brought a dog to the, the show. And the dog went up after Two Girls, Three Eyes did a set. And I love all those people. They know I love them, but it wasn't the best set. And they do lots of amazing sets. And the dog took a shit. Right in the middle of the stage. Oh, I remember, oh, remember that. I was there watching the show. <laughs> yeah. I was they, in the audience, yes. You say it was after their set? After yes. their set. And so there's still lots of people there. And it was kind of just right. And, it, and then I think Bob Wood said, that was the perfect metaphor. <laughs> I was about to say, was it like the dog trying to say something like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was dead center. It felt purposeful. It felt hateful. I remember that show. And not only was it the end of their show, but it was also, I believe, the last show of like a weekend of shows. So it capped oh off gosh. like a festival. And then it was sort of like an exclamation point on the whole, you know, weekend. Yeah, because I think it was kind of relapse closing. I think they might have been trying to s- raise money. Mm-hmm. So it was really... <laughs> 
very, very intense. Well, here's another story for you guys. Um, uh, being a, a, a Texan, we found this. Uh, do Texans eat pickles at the movie uh, theater? Uh, they sure do. Um, there's actually one unconventional concession stand snack that only Texans have been ordering for decades, pickles. Uh, they've been known to lovingly refer to them as movie theater pickles, and many Texans are actually surprised to find out no one else in the country really knows <laughs> about this popular movie theater menu. I mean, in fact, you know, I was a kid when we moved. I was born in Waco, Texas. Shout out to um, Steve Martin, who was also born there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he left when he was young, and I don't want to mention the other Waco thing. Uh, in, <laughs> in fact, um, those People who move away from the Lone Star State, which is Texas, might not realize until they ask for one at their new movie theater that, um, you know, obviously we don't do pickles. Most people don't do pickles. Mm-hmm. So what form might you see these pickles available at a Texas movie theater? Well, decades ago, it'd be a large glass jar. So you just go and you get a glass jar uh, and uh, a, a concession stand. Well, they, they pull out the glass jar and a concession stand member would would use tongs to hand you a big fat pickle. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it co- cost about 25 cents. And nowadays, um, less theaters might house a jar full of pickles. Rather, you'd see individual bags of pickles, which I guess slightly more sanitary, mm-hmm. and you'd be offered the option of having the juice drained for you, which I wonder what the over-under is on <laughs> that. Um, I was going to ask, um, so what's the difference between regular pickles and movie movie theater pickles? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess location, you know? <laughs> that, that would be the, the main thing. And also, like, I mean, pickles smell. You know, I, I don't hate the smell of pickles, but I feel— I mean, there's a lot of smells in a movie theater, right? Mm-hmm. And so this says, too, that um, some patrons even request for the pickle to be thrown right into the tub with their popcorn. And it's called a popcorn pickle. And I feel like that's not the only thing that that refers to. Um, um, yeah, yeah. That that seems like a weird smell co- uh, combination. Bill, did you ever experience? experience any of that in your time in Texas? Do you remember pickles being at movie theaters at all? You know, I feel bad because I started the segment saying I was born in Texas, which is true, but I did move away when I was four years old. So mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. remember, but, you know, I'm definitely going to, you know, because every once in a while I'll travel. Yeah. Um, and especially with this pandemic easing up, um, I'm going to keep an eye out for that now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we might be doing a podcast thing in Dallas. And not, not oh, long, so. that would be fun if we went to a movie theater specifically to seek out yeah. a movie theater <laughs> pickle. You know? yeah. Yeah. I like pickles. I know. I feel like, oh, how do you guys feel about pickles? They're good. I like them. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I eat, like, I don't necessarily seek them out very often, but if I'm at a a deli or whatever, or, you know, a place where it comes with the meal. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm one of the people that'll that'll take them from the people that don't like them. I, I recently, uh, say about a month ago, I sold like a giant jar of pickles and it was only like $1.50. And I was like, I don't need any pickles, but I'm about to buy these right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I still have. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> They're like a zero calorie food too. Yeah, That's I didn't another know that. They're oh. like one of those things where it's like the the amount of work your body has to do to digest it balances it out. So it's like there's not a lot of guilt, although there is a lot of sodium. Okay. Them, but so you don't sit there and eat them all day. But yeah, they're kind of a guilt free food somewhat. I had a you know a pickle not too long ago. It was refreshing. You know, like, like that's honestly what I—that's really what I thought. It's like cold, the cold and crunchiness of it. Mm. I'm like, oh, what kind of pickle was it? Was it a Clawson pickle with a a garlic butter pickle? I think it was like uh, I think it was garlic. Ooh. You know, like when yeah. it's sitting in the garlic, I'm pretty sure it was garlic. Garlic and maybe like was it was it thyme? Was it rosemary? I'm not sure, but it was some additional seasoning. It was good. Nice. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free with amazing and crazy topics for picking to choose you are now tuned in to ridiculous news all right y'all so now we're gonna delve a little deeper into our topic for today's episode. Now, as we mentioned earlier, we're being joined by the very amazing actor Ricky Boynton. And one of the types of acting that Ricky has done is uh, role play training. Uh, so uh, uh, our researcher Casey found an excellent article t- called Three Benefits of Making Role Play uh, Part of Training. And it mentions in the article, uh, role playing provides a safe environment to encounter different scenarios for the first time. Uh, which builds confidence in team members that can help them in their day-to-day roles. Uh, so role-playing has been a common training method among military branches, uh, emergency response groups, uh, and companies where quick decision-making is highly valued. Uh, and this has continued and, and built uh, through, through the years. And there's a lot of benefits that people have found when they use role-playing as a part of their training. Uh, whether it's building confidence, um, mm-hmm. developing better listening skills, or creative problem solving. And one of the ways to, you know, uh, make that experience as effective as possible is uh, hiring consultants and actors like Ricky. And it helps uh, creating an authentic role play experience and uh, something that might be difficult to do on your own if you're dealing with a bunch of perhaps non-performers. Uh, so. Ricky, we are so happy that you're here to kind of talk about this type of acting because, I mean, uh, I'm aware of it from hearing your stories with it, and I've done a little bit of it, but it's it's something that I don't know much about. So uh, you've done several types of, uh, like, role play training, and one of the things that you've mentioned that you've done in the past is working with lawyers uh, to help lawyers uh, have... Uh, get trial experience by role playing. Yeah, uh, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your experience with that? Uh sure. Um, I was hired to uh, be an actor to role play. It, it's different scenarios. Uh, one of them is where the lawyer is trying to, um, is meeting their client for the first time and mm. gaining their trust. Mm. And also the other one I dealt with was 
when lawyers are trying to prosecute someone mm-hmm. who they think is guilty and how to handle that when um, somebody's being combative. Okay. Um, what I would say in those scenarios and in any other role-playing scenarios, whether it's the actual person in training or the actor themselves, is to relax and be patient. Keep in mind, it's a training um, scenario, so you don't have to be perfect. Your teacher is there, and if you mess up, they'll just train you through it. But I know a lot of us want to um, try to um, show off a little bit because you have your other people training there watching Mm -hmm. so they can learn. But it's just like it's called training for a reason. So if you mess up, it's part of the process and also just um, go through it and actually learn, you know? And actually for an actor, uh, when I say uh, be patient, it's because... Keep in mind, they're doing this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who are being trained. So you don't have to, I mean, you stay in character, but at the same time, don't overdo it where you can make that person panic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just um, it's just like an improv. You just react to what's going on. You get the scenarios that you are um, from your um, whoever hired you, but you can kind of play in, in within those parameters. Do you, so like uh, you said, part of the goal is not to make them panic. Do you ever get pushed by the trainer or something to put them in a difficult scenario? Yeah. Um, it, like for one, um, one of the training um, things I've done is for uh, security for corporate um, buildings for like crisis situations. Mm-hmm. Um, they will tell you to um, be loud or also uh, put them in a panic. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they'll say, uh, depending on how the person reacts to, to ramp it up or to uh, tone it down just a bit. Mm. Um, but sometimes you can get in a situation where um, you want to put them in a situation depending on what kind of level you think that that um, specific scenario will be. Mm. Mm. Like, for instance, um, going with the, um, the, the one with the lawyers, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you can have people who've been, you play a person who's been in prison before, or you can play like drug dealers or people who have been abusive and they just have like this um, this short temper. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can just say one word, and you're supposed to snap on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, but at any time, if the uh, the person being trained, or the student is saying I'm uncomfortable and stuff like that, you step back. Yeah. Um, you allow the teacher to do their thing, and then you just get back into it. What's that like? Because I've done like a little bit of that role play training with lawyers before, and for me, I never really felt I got the hang of it precisely during those. Mm-hmm moments where they ask you to push someone because what my experience was it's like you're it's not it it you're role playing with them but you're still in a classroom you know like yeah. with all these people watching and so can you talk a little bit about what it's like uh what that environment is like where you're in a classroom and you're perhaps uh pushing someone that you're role playing with and kind of like what's going through your mind i suppose like is that weird you know like yeah h- how do you get used to something well, um, I would say it all depends on each um, person being trained are totally different. Mm. So I would say when when people say, you know, ramp it up a bit, they always um, think that means louder mm. and not necessarily the case. It, it's just it can be something as simple as be more defensive mm-hmm. or don't give them as much information. Just make them work a little bit because sometimes depending on the person being trained, the teacher can say, okay, well, this person 
needs to be a little bit more aggressive, mm-hmm. this student, or this student needs to calm down a little bit and not interrogate as much. So it's it's basically like like I said with improv, it's just um just fill it out with that person and whatever note you're giving from the person uh, from the teacher kind of uh kind of mold it in the situation that the person um the student is um dealing with. Like for instance, one of them was I was supposed to be introduced to my uh, lawyer for the first time, and it was a sweet. She was a sweet person, and she's uh, she's very. Um, she was like four eleven, mm-hmm. and she she looks like a kid. Mm-hmm. And and her issue, she knew in advance was people wouldn't take her seriously because mm-hmm. um, because because uh, she was so small, and she was trying to build that confidence to say, "Hey, but no, I'm a grown adult. I'm here to help you." But she had problems with that. And the teacher said, you know, try to be combative with her a little bit more. So what I kept saying with her is, well, I don't know. You look like a kid. I don't know if I can trust you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can trust you. And then she finally just took a deep breath and said, listen, I've been doing this for years. I um, have credentials and I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't trust me, you may not be able to um, win your case. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one trying to help you. So. I promise you that I'm going to do the best I can to make sure that you um, that you are found not guilty. I can see how that'd be really helpful just because when else are you going to practice something like that? You yeah. know, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, because it's like so much of training and like even doing improv as a performance. There's so such a big difference between being in a classroom and then being on stage. And so I feel like and, and I know you do this in a classroom, but like putting s- Putting someone in that actual scenario seems so healthy, mm-hmm. uh, and especially for this woman you're just mentioning, because yeah, now she's now she has the muscle memory of going through it, and she doesn't. She there's just such a big difference between thinking a scenario in your head mm-hmm. and physically acting it out and being there and present, and it, it probably gives them a lot of confidence. Right, and you was right on. I hit the button. It, you say um, be present. Try to be present in the situation because if you're in your head. You're not listening to what um, the actor is giving you. And a lot of times the teacher will tell you to, will give you certain keywords or key phrases to use. Um, like, for instance, um, I was playing um, a drug dealer and she, the person who was prosecuting me was saying, well, do you sell this much or sell this much? And then I said the word, well, normally uh, it usually costs this much. And she missed the word normally. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just went through it. But the the rest of the class said it together, like, normally? Why did he say normally? Like, <laughs> so it's like, stay present, because they might give you um, some information that can help you out. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. What's the preparation like? I mean, I imagine that it maybe varies depending on who you're working with, but generally speaking, before you're going into play, you're, you know, you're playing this character, mm-hmm. what's preparation like for you when you're going into these scenarios? Um, it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say some of them, because some of them you don't get actual characters, but some of them you do. Okay. It for the ones that you get characters, the um, they will give you a script with everything broken down about your character. Like um, one of the gigs I I did is called Child First, and what they train they train police officers and um, like social workers to investigate and um, prosecute uh, for child abuse. And a lot of these scenarios have uh, characters of kids that have actually been through these situations. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
you try your best to learn all the details you can because, like, for instance, um, a five-year-old child can be totally different from a seven-year-old child. Mm. And then you have one that's, um, it can also depend on race because, you know, they, they've, and also um, where they're from because they also have different situations that they deal with in the regular life. You can't, you can't talk to a six-year-old the way you talk to an adult. Mm-hmm. So I would say when you get those um, scenarios, you try your best to um, do some research on like what kind of kids like in those days, and like uh, what what words that you try not to use and as as you would use as, a, as an adult, and also just um, the main thing is trying to get their objective. Mm-hmm. So I would say just mainly just go with whatever they give you, and um, go with, um, specifically what the details they give you. That's the main thing you want to do, and after that, you just try your best to just um, improv around that. Nice. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right, totally. <laughs> well, you know that that you know, speaking of that stuff, yeah. I'd love to see Ricky with your experience with this. If you might help Mark and I out yeah. with some situations, doing some role playing, and we can just improvise. Um, to help us get better at some stuff uh, with scenarios where we have problems a lot. Yeah, so Bill and I, we kind of brainstorm some situations, some of them real, some of them perhaps a little bit more ridiculous, uh, and we got some scenarios, and so if you could improvise with us, that'd be great. So I'll I'll set up this first one between you and Bill, if that's okay. Okay. So uh, this segment's called Ricky Roleplay, all right? (laughs) Uh, So the first scenario is uh, Bill, all right, you are trying to tell a friend, Ricky in this case, uh, you really enjoy their outfit um, that they're really excited about, but you're not actually excited about the outfit. Got it. All right. Okay. So, so Bill, you're trying to fake your excitement about your friend's new outfit. Great. Okay. All right. Does that sound good to y'all? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. Great. Hey, Ricky. Hey, man. Uh, hey. Oh, man. I'm, that shirt is new. You like it, man? Man. I, I lost some weight and I finally um, started dressing myself and I think uh, it's like a new chic for me. I'm like, do you like it? Uh, I love it. You know, I think I'm one. I'm glad you're dressing yourself now. And thank you. Two, um, you know, it is it is uh, bright. It's very bright. Oh, but you 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 keep being short with me. What's what's, what's wrong with the shirt? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying it's it's bright. It's like I gotta wear shades because it's. But, I mean, thank you, but you keep saying bright. What's, you don't like you don't like the shirt. I'm, I I spent like two hours trying trying to look for this shirt, like different types, and I thought it was the best one. I thought it was looking great. Only and, two hours. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I just maybe next time. I I mean I I think for two hours that's decent. Thank I, well, thank you. I guess. I mean, I just want. I'm I'm trying. Okay, I'm 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 really trying. I mean. I, I know I can't, you know, be chic like you, man. But I, if, I mean, this is this is who I am. So that's, is that saying that you don't like my personality? Because this is my personality that I'm wearing on my chest right now. I think if that shirt represents your personality, then I'm cool with it. Thank you, man. I like that. So, okay, yeah. How that fit? Did I come around at the end? I think we I, came around to okay. a positive ending. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ricky, right. you're making us better people already. I and I felt like a jerk. Uh, Mark and I, we can be asking Ricky playing Mr. T for his autograph. Yeah. Because um, we all know Ricky has one of the best Mr. T impressions in all of the universe. Yeah, so I think, Ricky, with this scenario, you're Mr. T, and we we just really want that autograph bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Oh my God! There he is, Martin. Oh there he goes. Oh my God! Look at Mr. T. Oh my goodness! <laughs> he looks just like in the he, on TV. It's just like in TV. Oh my goodness! Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Mr. T. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I pity fool who interrupts me while I eat my fig Newtons. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, uh, Grover. We were actually looking. At the, we were actually trying to talk to Mr. T. Sorry, Grover. Yeah, he's right behind he's you. He's right behind you, Mr. T. Sorry, Grover. We're not here to talk to you, Mr. Oh, T. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. If you could just get Mr. T, that'd be great. Okay. Hey. Hey, T. Somebody wants to talk to you. Who, who want to talk to me? <gasps> Mr. T. It's him. Oh, my gosh. It's oh, him. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? You can tell by the voice. Yeah. Um, Mr. T, I, I, I'm a huge fan of huge all of your fan. movies and TV shows. Love them all. And especially your commercials. The oh, best. Thank you. 1-800-COLLECT. Will you, will you sign my, my bicep? With this permanent marker? Hmm, I don't know if I can do that. Last time I signed somebody's bicep, they got a tattoo of it, and then they sued me because the tattoo artist couldn't spell. That sounds like a lot of litigation. <laughs> you telling me? I'm just like, hey, they told me what to do. I wrote your autograph, and all of a sudden, you suing me? You got to sue the tattoo artist. So I don't do I do not do it unless I get paid for it now. Mm. Well, oh, wow. Well, I think it's really important, Mr. T, to know your worth, you know? Yeah, you yeah. know, like uh, th that's great. I mean, I mean, I would have loved an autograph, but I, I'm more happy to know that you know your worth and and, and what your labor is worth. Hmm. You know, no one's ever talked to me that way before. Everybody always want me to be mean, but sometimes I want to be nice. Sometimes I want to go and walk on the beach. Sometimes I want to throw a frisbee with my cute little pit bull named Pikachu. <laughs> sometimes I want to go and sit in the park and and drink an ice cold Fresca. Do they still make frescoes? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're out there. We can get you one. We can get you one. Yeah. You know what? You, you, you help me see myself work. So you know what? These autographs be on the house today. Oh my gosh! Oh, this is Mr. Amazing. T, thank you, Mister T. It's amazing! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I feel like we have prepared ourselves for some very realistic scenarios. Um, thank you so much, Ricky. Thank oh, you. thank you. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Yeah, yeah. 
Coast, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. Now that we're trained and, and ready for all the role-playing scenarios because of the amazing Ricky Boynton, thank you so much, Ricky. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about bowling because, Ricky, you've had a lot of experience working at a bowling alley here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, was, uh, thinking about growing up, I left bowling alleys as a kid, um, and I didn't realize that, you know, back in the 60s, the mid-60s, there was about 12,000 bowling centers in America with nearly 10 million regular bowlers. Mm-hmm. But since then, slowly at first and then at a much quicker pace, um, those numbers have retreated. Um, today, it's about uh, 1.5 million as opposed to 10 million. Um, so those numbers have gone down a lot. Um, and of course, I can only assume, you know, well, it, this article points out that there were bowling alleys were in a precarious position before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that interior nature of bowling alleys was less up adaptable after COVID-19. What was your experience like, you know, working at Blizz? Did you did you feel like it was like older generations or were there younger kids there as well? Well, there was a different variety um, when it came to bowling. Um, I would say bowling, it's, um, it was mostly, I would say, I would say 30 and up who took it like seriously. Mm. But also um, bowling um, is a bad weather business. It's one of those um, places to where like it's raining out, but you still want to do something. Either you'll go to the movies or you'll go bowling. And a lot of people um, enjoyed, um, we call it cosmic bowling, but a lot of people um, consider mm. it midnight bowling. That's when they turn off the lights and yeah. have the the uh, different colors yeah. and lights and all, and have like the music playing. People love that. I do, I do remember that as a kid and loving that. Yeah, um, it was a big draw, but the main um, thing that was good for bowling was the leagues, the bowling leagues. Mm. And I used to work the daytime where it was mostly league bowlers that would come in and um, or senior citizens. Like one of the leagues was called the Club 55 Plus, which is you had to be 55 or older to be in that league. Mm. And um, they would bowl like once a week and then they would go to like tournaments in Vegas Wow. And stuff like that. And we're um, in Atlanta for those listeners. That oh, yeah. Know. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. um, but um, what was interesting is the people that I dealt with the most were league bowlers because there were leagues called practice leagues mm-hmm. where it was technically supposed to be for people who were new to bowling and they would join this league to pra- um, to learn how to bowl. And what you would get was a practice card where will um, allow you to get five free games of practice um, a day per per week. Wow. But a lot of the league bowlers would get in those leagues to get some extra games in because let's say at the time bowling, let's round up to a game of bowling was five bucks. Mm-hmm. If you join the practice league that was between 11 to $15 and you got your practice card, you can pay for that league within just like three games on one day. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they would do that. Plus, depending on what type of league, um, other leagues they were in, they would have um, these free coupons uh, for um, getting reaching so many goals in the league. Mm. So a uh, league bowler can come in and literally bowl probably like 15 games like it wasn't nothing. Wow. wow. And it was crazy. Um, that but, makes my wrist hurt just thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, and that's another thing. I'm glad you said about the wrist hurting. Mm. Well, a lot of people don't realize that um, bowling balls, especially the ones that league bowlers use, mm-hmm. has a special weight in the middle of it. Mm. So um, you can even throw that ball straight as, the, as an arrow, and at the end it will curve. Oh, so a lot of people thought it was all in the wrist, but it's not all in the wrist. It's in the actual ball itself. Oh, cool. So I tell people that like, people keep trying to do like this cool move when they uh, flip their wrist and stuff. And I mm-hmm. said, 
it'll work for right now, but eventually, um, in the long run, you're going to have risk problems. Mm, uh, interesting. But people will still try to do that, and then you'll see those same bowlers like a year or two later, and then they are having like crazy stuff in their wrist, the carpal tunnel and stuff like that. Uh. But yeah, it has like different um, weights in the middle because when you're trying to get a strike, people think that you're supposed to hit um, the very first pin straight down the middle. You actually want, to, it's called a pocket. You want to hit it in between the the head pin. Mm-hmm. And if, you, um, if you're right-handed between the head and the third pin, or if you're left-handed between the head and the second pin behind it. It's a little oh. pocket in there, and mm-hmm. it um, allows a, a more of a domino effect that um, uh, easier to get a strike. Cool. A lot of people don't know that. They try to just go straight down the middle. That's, That's how right. they, yeah. That's me. That's absolutely I, yeah. what I do, yeah. 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 It was crazy because, like, uh, also, depending on – because each ball is different, depending on what size the uh, weight is inside and how it's, um, how it's created and how it looks, um, it can have, like, a heavy curve or a light curve. So a lot of the lanes have been oiled. Mm. for uh, league bowlers. And that's why they tell people not to go past the foul line so you yeah. won't slip and fall. Mm. Right. Um, but people don't pay attention. That's Does how that they... happen a lot? Yeah, yeah. People. Oh, yeah. And then the, the thing is, like, they have stickers everywhere saying, please don't go past the foul line. It's a hazard. You'll slip and fall. And even the foul line itself, you'll hear a buzzer to let you know, eh, mm. you're too close. Mm. Um, but people still... What's yeah. the biggest injury did you ever see? I was going to say, yeah. it seems like people would get injured. Oh, um, the biggest I've seen was, um, hmm. oh, okay. Um, a league bowler, it was not because the um, the lane was um, with oiled. It was because they w- when the people bowl sometimes, they automatically just start walking backwards and not looking to where they're going. Uh-oh. And one bowler tripped over the ball return where the ball comes back. Oh, no. And they bumped their head. Oh. But they, they end up being okay. Yeah. yeah. But at the time, you're just like, oh, my goodness, because you're not supposed to move them right. or anything. You have to wait mm-hmm. till the ambulance get there. Um, but you can just tell he, he was more in shock than anything, but everybody thought that he was, like, um, had a concussion. Oh, yeah. But it turns out he was fine. But, yeah, that was, like, very scary. Jeez. I'm I'm curious, um, you know, I, I I do like, you know, Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies. Oh, nice. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I, I do love bowling in general, and I, I don't want to throw that reference out there for no other reason than just a shout out to the dude uh, and all those guys. But, um, you know, when I'm bowling, like, if I break 100, I'm happy because mm-hmm. I'm so terrible at it. But when we were talking before we got on this, Ricky, you talked about a perfect game is what, three, 300? 300. Yeah. 300. And so people would bowl perfect games because to me that's mind-blowing like how oh, yeah how often does that happen um in league bowling i would say you can i would see a perfect game every six to eight weeks maybe wow yep um and the thing about uh what the league bowls will tell you about bowling a perfect game is to relax if you're if you're too focused on it, that's when you start getting your head and you start uh, worrying about stuff. What if I miss this? What if I miss that? And it gets even crazier the closer you get because people start noticing and people will start coming towards you. Mm-hmm. And every time you get a strike, they'll start like hooping and hollering and it could put you more in your head. But he's but a lot of the league bowls I saw would um, have headphones in so, uh, they, so they can just like tone everybody out gotcha. and just be focused and relaxed. But um Crazy thing about league bowling, um, certain leagues where if you get a perfect game or get like a really high score, you can get a ring. Mm. Like, for instance, uh, there was this guy <laughs> named Hank. Shout out to Hank. 
Um, <laughs> he had uh, he he bowled I think like five or six perfect games in his life. Wow! And he had a ring for every finger on one hand, and then like one for like his thumb on the other hand. And everybody started calling him Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. <laughs> Maybe so that new Amazon series that's coming out. That's it's about Hank. It's, it's a documentary. A, it's, it's a documentary on Hank. We okay. all thought it was going to be a, a T.R. Tolkien thing, but no, it's Hank. Yeah. Y'all call me Hank the Tank, but I'm Lord <laughs> of the, the Rings. Rings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I would say uh, besides that, just have fun with it. Because some of those leagues, they have like special fun incentives. Like what well, um, I used to work the front counter, and they have something called a popcorn frame. where if everyone on your team bowls a strike in that frame, mm. uh, you'll get a free popcorn from the snack bar. Oh, nice. cool. Um, then nice. um, they have it to where if everyone on your team bowls a strike in the third frame, mm-hmm. uh, your team gets a free large pizza. Damn. Wow. So, That's like, fun. people will have fun, and also people will do, like, side bets and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just amateur bowling. It's not, like, professional bowling. Right, you can't right. Do that. But right. they have, like, side bets where they, like, play cards every time they get a strike and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But people will have fun with that. So, yeah. What's maybe one aspect of working – uh, at a bowling alley that people may not know about, either about the way that the bowling alley is run or uh, interacting with the bowlers. What's what's something that's that that we might take for granted that we may not know about? Um, I would say um, it's less about the bowling. Or if if you think of like um, monetary wise, it's less about the bowling and more about the food and beverages, the snack bar and mm-hmm. the the bar itself. Mm-hmm. So there, there will be a lot of times to where our general manager, if a person comes in with a coupon and it expired, and let's say it expired like a like a week ago or something like that, he'll still take it, especially if he sees like you have a group come in. Mm-hmm. And because you know, okay, he'll make that back at the snack bar or at the bar. Mm. Um, I would say also, um, just from a personal standpoint, people come there to have fun. Mm-hmm. So if they see you having fun or they um, they will have fun too, or if they see you having a bad day, they'll – It'll it'll trickulate to the lanes. So I would say try to always. I know you're supposed to do that no matter what, but just try to always. If you have your regulars, always like um, associate with them. You feel like, oh, I remember last week you um, you was working on your um, on the Jaguar lane. Um, how's that coming for you mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And also just just um, on a curse, but shoot the crap with them. Just have mm-hmm. a good time. Like for the uh, senior league, what I would do because like. At our bowling center, we will play music. They had something called the Bowler Music Network, <laughs> where they have like whatever's popular songs at the time that um, that were uh, appropriate in playing. You can um, put it on, but also you can put in different CDs. So what I would do for the seniors, I would put in like the old school, the uh, the Goldies, nice. the classics mm-hmm. um, for them, and then they'll they'll be bowling to like Sam Cooke or yeah, like. Um, nice. um, the uh, the Doobie Brothers or something like that, mm-hmm. and they they really enjoy small stuff like that. Yeah, cool. it's just it's like treat them less as a customer and treat them more as a as a friend. Like, hey, I see you again. Welcome back. Yeah, I can totally see how those skills of learning, uh, you know, interact with those people. How you absolutely were able to take those skills and apply that to the role play training that you mm. do now. You, you know, like just being able mm-hmm. to anticipate needs, being able to read folks. That 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 makes sense for me. Oh yeah, it's just. It's, um, all this stuff is just about listening. If if you just listen enough, they will they'll tell you what they want or what they need. Or in so many ways, they'll give you subtle hints and subtle clues of how their how their day is going or how uh, what they need to be taken care of. So, yeah. 
Let me, I think so I'm curious, Ricky, if you have advice. So, so I'm a terrible bowler, but I do enjoy the camaraderie around it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. cosmic bowling like you brought up. It's, that brings up some fun memories. For for anyone listening and for myself selfishly, <laughs> like, you know, besides having the bumpers up, which I love. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah, I'm one of those because I, I could I could do angles for some reason better than I can do a straight line. You, uh, oh, can I just say this real quick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, at my location, um, they were totally against adults using the bumpers <laughs> because they use them like it was a pinball machine. They'll bounce them off the bumpers, That's and sometimes exactly it could it could break the bumper. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, um, no. But besides that, I would say like you know, as long as you're having fun, I really don't. I really didn't care. Well, and then I, I was definitely the bad guy. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I'm glad. It's, now I know. Uh, but like for someone who's not very good at bowling, is there any tips? You know, if someone wanted to go and after talking about bowling, oh yeah, that's a fun thing to do. To for a beginner, and I know it's a very complex thing, so there might. But but like to to help someone who hasn't bowled in say a couple of years to go and feel a little bit more confident about their bowling. I would say, well, actually, with bowling, it's different type of people that do it, so it's not. It's not. You won't be judged. Mm. Even when, even if you bowl with somebody who's been doing it for a while and also is like pretty good at like amateur, uh, amateur bowling and stuff like that, there's still people. It's, it's one of those more comfortable type sports where mm. you can be yourself. And I would say, uh, technically, I would say if you use a bowling ball, try not to overpower it, not just with your wrist, but just in general. Let the ball guide you itself as long as, um, and always. Ask the people at um, who work there. They'll be more than happy to give you some tips. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, um, if they give you the right um, stance and footing and just practice. And also, I would say join a practice league. If, mm-hmm. if you have the time, join a practice league. It's only once a week. You pay like what? At the most, what? Like 15 bucks at the most. Mm-hmm. And then you get some free games and you also get to meet new people. It's a great way to meet new people as well because cool. people like the bowl. Even if you're bad at bowling, it's still fun and you still... Um, will enjoy it. So I would say just have fun. Even if you if you if you get like less than a hundred, who cares? It's bowling. Have fun. That's all. Yeah. Nice. Awesome, Ricky. Thanks so much for joining us today. It was awesome to hear about, you know, the work that you've done, be it bowling or, you know, uh role play training. And uh of course we also know you're a brilliant comedian actor. So uh for folks out there that wanna look you up, see all the great work that you're putting out online, what's mm-hmm. the best way for them to find you? Um, all my handles at um, rickyrandall.com. It's R-I-C-K-E-Y um, R-A-N-D-O-M. It's all one word. Um, check it out. And also, you know, when I have opportunities um, to be blessed to join you guys in the um, Mark Kendall comedy sketches, please check those out too. And um, yeah, man, that's the main thing. Awesome. At Ricky Random. That's on IG, on TikTok. IG, TikTok, um, and also now YouTube. Nice. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Follow Ricky Random. Yeah, so check out Ricky Random. And I want to say to our listeners, uh, one, Ricky, thank you so much. We're such a huge fan of yours. Oh, once and, again, thank you for having me. I yeah, loved it. Yeah, we, we love it. And and for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. We know you have a lot of choices uh, in terms of podcast and entertainment, and we love having you here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, you know, you can also stay in touch with us as well. You can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and IG at Ridiculous News. And be sure to check out our comedy videos as well at Mark Kendall Comedy on IG, TikTok, and on Facebook or at Kendall Comedy on Twitter. Bye, y'all. See you later.
Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 